Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Everyone loves a list, right? That's one of the things I've always heard since I first joined the internet. And it's true. If I had you know two different articles to choose from and one presented it to me in like top 10 list form, I'm going to watch that one or yeah. list, read that one. So, so what is this exactly? Ten, that I got it right, correct? Ten ways to live like a millionaire, even if you're not one? Even if your bank account is empty. It's from the Foundation for Economic Education. So, that, so even if you're broke, yep. you can en- enjoy these luxuries. Yep. You okay. don't have to, I don't think any of them are supposed to cost money, at least not a lot. See, I would have assumed that everything that a millionaire did cost money in one way or another. I would have assumed that. Yeah. Well, a lot of things are just, you need money to have the luxury of time type of thing. That's true. Want me to go ahead with yeah, number go ahead one? with it. Number one is be fit. There's a strong negative correlation between wealth and obesity in wealthy countries. Why? Contrary to popular belief, the rich are not slimmer because a healthy diet is more expensive or they can afford personal trainers. They are slimmer because they invest more thought into what they eat. Which I, yeah, makes sense to me. That makes sense. So it's not even a matter of exercising more or anything like that. It's just... I mean, this this tracks with most of the things I know about people. I don't, most of the people I know don't spend a lot of time thinking about the quality of the food they're going to eat. They will eat Taco Bell or McDonald's or whatever and just carry on their lives just fine. And of course, they're ballooning in size. Yeah. And of course, those things are usually more affordable and they're quicker and easier for people who are busy working and whatnot. Fast food. But I think it's also like a not really a cultural thing, but like what's passed down to you, right? So sure. if you grow up in a wealthier family and you always eat like sit down dinners and, you know, mom's cooking and it's healthy or you have a private chef or whatever, that's going to be what you're used to and you're going to carry that into adulthood. But a lot of lower income families are just, you know, TV dinners, whatever, because you, their parents maybe don't have the capacity to even like or the energy to think about what to cook for dinner. So they just choose whatever's cheapest and easiest. And people will typically pass those habits on to adulthood as well. So those are really excellent points. And it saddens me to think about, but yeah, I mean, I grew up, you know, on TV dinners and that all that sort of stuff too, until I went to live with my grandmother who was like, no, I'm going to smack you and you're going to eat an actual home cooked meal sort of thing. Oh, that's nice. I guess. I mean, <laughs> minus the smacking part, I suppose. <laughs> well, I mean, it worked. You know, I I stopped eating TV dinners, and now I don't live a lifestyle of you know McDonald's and Burger King and Taco Bell. But I look around me, and it's kind of sad. Like I had to stop by Walgreens on the way here tonight to pick up a prescription that I needed to pick up, and like the the drive through line at Burger King was wrapped around yeah, the building. Crazy, it always right? is, yeah. And that's a, the worst Burger King I've ever been to. I don't know why. I've went there a couple times when I was just visiting Ian before I moved here, and he didn't have. A coffee machine and he didn't eat breakfast in the morning he didn't eat till 5 p.m so what is number two wear well-fitting clothes the fashionable rich are not stylish because they can afford luxury brands uh, they are fashionable because <laughs> yeah that, i don't know I about disagree? that yeah that's that me the, okay disagreeing in a way they are fashionable because they are conscious of fit and style you don't need to go to a bespoke haute couture tailor to dress well you can find something that fits you at Goodwill. Okay, well, that's all true, but I'm just saying it's not like if your only option is to shop at Walmart and somebody else's options are anywhere in the world that they're not just going to naturally look better than you. Well, but- and you can also wear nicer brands of clothes and utilize sales. Like I recently bought a bunch of jeans from Lucky Brand, which are like $100 or more a piece, and I got them all, like I think the cheapest, I got a pair of shorts for like, $16.99. And then I got some jeans for 40 bucks. So if you use things like Honey, which is one of those things you can install on your computer to tell you where, when there are sales, or you can put it in your cart and it tells you when it's cheaper, you, know, oh, okay. you can be smart about it. That's cool. I've never heard of Honey. I, I was scared you mm. were about to talk about one of these, um, one of these buy now, pay later sorts of things. No. So I'm I'm glad to hear that wasn't the case. No, it's like a coupon thing. Yeah, Honey is great. It searches the internet for you, and it's free, but you oh, can have do a membership. Oh, coupons as well, right? It's like a browser extension. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Okay, I it's heard also about that 
way back in the day because it's just a browser extension that automatically like crawls the internet for coupon yeah. codes to apply at disc checkout and stuff like that. Yeah, I had I heard that. about it, but I wasn't using it. And Matt like flipped out and was like, oh, I can't believe you're not using Honey. Like you shouldn't buy anything without uh, checking Honey first. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll download it then. Good advice. I'd, I I don't know about fitting and style and all. Of, I don't care what the latest style or fashion trend really is. I, I'm Chasing going, trends is a horrible idea because if something doesn't work for you, it doesn't matter if it's trendy. That's, that's how I feel. That's really true. I hate the, the skinny jean thing that's going oh, on yeah, right now. It's I terrible. absolutely hate it, but it, it's what's popular, so it's what everyone is wearing. I'm like, can we you know, like get bell bottoms back or something? I think they are coming it. back. Yeah, they are. I like bell bottom things, especially like uh, bell bottom leggings i love how that looks but skinny jeans just look better on me than like most other jeans and i think it's from being short so it just really depends on what you look like i think baggy clothes they may not they may not fit everyone's idea of what looks good and what doesn't look good but i'm a fan you know the article says baggy clothes make you look adolescent and sloppy but i like baggy (laughs) shirts sometimes yeah i like like baggy Band t-shirts. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel personally attacked by this. Yeah. Plus, <laughs> honestly, I feel out of adolescent when I'm wearing too much tight clothing. Like, I feel like I look like a middle schooler trying to show off my boobs or something. Like, yep. I, I really don't like that feeling. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's so true. When I was in middle school, I would. I had like some like whatever like body image issues, so I sure. would always be like, "No, I swear I'm a I'm a size zero, and I would always buy ill fitting clothes just because mm. I was like, "No, I, I'm an, I'm a zero. And then eventually, like once I became an adult, I was like, "Let's just get clothes that fit, can we?" <laughs> That's understandable. I think clothes that fit, you know, in the in the important parts is you know important, like clothes that actually fit your shoulders or your waist or whatever. I don't think. By baggy clothes, I don't mean someone out there should, you know, throw in a pair of size, you know, 80 pants if they were supposed to wear like a size 32 or whatever. I'm thinking men's measurements here, but a size 20 instead of wearing a size 7 like they should be. That's not what people mean by baggy. I mean, like, and I don't know how to characterize the difference, but I, I don't mean throw on clothes that are, you know, 15 sizes too big. I just mean it can be loose fitting, and yeah. I don't think that's a problem. Yeah, I tend not to think that's a problem either. But evidently, these people disagree. So what else do they have to offer us? Um, One last thing on the clothing thing, because I like solutions. It says, uh, like, because lots of people will be like, oh, they're telling me to dress more, you know, better, but they're not telling me how. It says, men check out Art of Manliness and women check out EV Magazine, E-V-I-E. So I don't know. I just wanted to add that. I don't know. About, I don't. I don't. I don't know about getting my fashion tips from a magazine. I'm not. I'm not 19 anymore. Or from I mean, a libertarian uh, publication. But <laughs> <right>. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there, but I'm glad you did. This is EV Magazine. E V I E. Yep, I've heard of it. Not sure what it is though. I've never heard of it. I. I don't know. I'm curious now. It says in a 2019 experiment involving 2,250 adults, Harvard psychologists Matthew Killingsworth and Daniel Gilbert found that the human brain is wired for continuous distraction, concluding that a typical person spends 47% of every waking hour mind-wandering, an experience so ordinary we rarely notice it. Well, like daydreaming. So if I take Adderall, will I feel like a millionaire? Uh, honestly. <laughs> maybe. Maybe, yeah, because <laughs> she just gets so much done. So that's that's what they're saying here. It, but I mean, if the average human adult spends like 47 percent of their time with their mind wondering how how are you supposed to control that? It sounds like that's just what it means Adderall. to be human. <laughs> Unless they're Drugs. doing Adderall. I just like uh, um, recently, like in the last year, I've tried to make it a conscious effort to just be more um, present and. That's just a really hard thing to do. It's like trying to remember to sit up straight for people who don't just like naturally sit up straight. It's just like, oh, yeah, I'm not doing it. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm not doing it. It's just like a constant, I don't know, yelling at yourself in your head. But it says, as with diet, the root cause of our mental disengagement is often stress. It's easier to be present when you have self-discipline and can spend money to make your distractions go away. But if you're poor, there is something else you can throw away to make your stressors go away. Attachments. Oh, and I think meditation would be a really good tool. You know, that's a free thing you can do can even if you don't have time like 5 minutes and that's a great tool to like be more mindful and kind of more focused. Yeah, yeah. more focused. Um eating healthy or eating being more mindful of what you eat, being more mindful of where you're at and what you're doing. These are all good things, but I'm not convinced they're going to make me feel like a millionaire. If I follow all 10 of these steps, I I 
I don't think I'll feel any different. Well, I think that the food one is like if if your body feels better, you'll get more things done. You'll be more positive. You won't have to feel like you're struggling as much. And that's like being poor is just part partially feeling like I don't have enough to do what I want to do is like the, one of the worst things about it. Or that saying like, oh, I feel like a million bucks. Yeah. Really Maybe good. that's more what they mean. I don't know. Really good points, especially the the health and eating one, because we we are what we eat. So if you're, you know, cramming McDonald's and crap like that into your body all the time, then you're not going to have a lot of energy to go jogging and do all of these other productive things. So definitely be mindful of what you eat and, you know, make changes to your diet accordingly to look and feel healthier. What what else do they have to offer? Well, we never finish this one about show up on time and be fully present because it goes into why it says uh, get rid of distractions. I mean, uh, well, distractions, but also attachments. And I also, also kind of don't really agree with the whole Buddhist, like you should have no attachments thing. Like I'm always going to be attached to Ian and Coconut and getting rid of that wouldn't help me. Like, oh, I don't care what happens to Ian isn't going to help me. And sometimes I think people take that too far. I mean, it, it could, right? I, I, I'm a Buddhist in the extent that I, I think they're correct. I don't apply it as much as I should, but I, I think that's correct. If if I'm not worried about something that can happen to someone else because I'm not attached to them, then I'm more at peace with yeah. what is going on in the present. Well, well worrying is, sorry, the, the worst part about it is like just basically casting a spell on the people that you care about by saying, oh, well, this bad thing could happen and imagining it for no reason when it, won't help your situation at all well, and i think with the attachments thing it's also being completely happy and content and at peace with yourself and your um you know current state without having to outsource to mm-hmm. like objects and other people right That's i think the point. buddhist maxim uh, there's four noble truths i think the first one is that yeah there is suffering i don't remember exactly how they're all phrased but the gist of it is that desire is the cause of all suffering desire yeah. and attachment that sort of thing and i as far as i can tell that's sim- that's simply just an observation if you have no expectation about things going good or things going bad then you you can't ever be disappointed with them going badly cuz they didn't go good they didn't go bad they just went but that's me you know other people disagree and i don't think the average millionaire is a buddhist if they were i don't think they would have become millionaires in the first place yeah that's a great point <laughs> talking about fee here the foundation for economic education one of my more favorite foundations i think this is the one that ron paul is or no he was the foundation for rational and economic education hmm. i think i still like fee though but, i like fee yeah but there's so many. Free was the one that Ron Paul was affiliated with, which, again, was the foundation for rational and economic education, whereas fee is the foundation for economic education. It all gets very confusing. Was Don't worry. I'm related? as confused as you are. Was I, that related? Like, was he jabbing at fee when he made it or anything? I doubt it. That's not really Ron Paul's style. Mm-hmm. So I doubt it. What I like about fee is the a lot of the writers, like on Twitter and stuff, they push back against the conservatarians. Well, the conservatives who think they're libertarians. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I, love I do that. like that. I, I liked that about reason, too, but I don't know if reason still does that. They you know always... what? I'm thinking of reason. Sorry. Okay. Yep. Yeah, they, they do. They are. Okay. Awesome. Because they're really good at that. And they're, they're little clips with that guy. I don't know that guy's name, but he's so funny. Uh, he he was the one who did the you know twenty gifts ideas for libertarians or whatever, and I can't think of any examples off the top of my head. But one of them is like a doorbell that shouts, "Come back with a warrant" or something like <laughs> That's that. That's great. It was really cool. That's put forward by Reason, and they do great work over there. But this is Fee, the Foundation for Economic Education. Fee dot org, I think is the website. They also do great work. And here together, here they put together a list of ten things. That you can do to help feel like a millionaire. What is the next one on their list, Bonnie? Number four is take care in your appearance. And I just before we even read it, I just have to say I agree. Like there are so many people. (laughs) I don't know what you're going to say, but I agree. There's just so many people that are just willfully ugly. Like (laughs) even like the ugliest person could just try a little harder and look better. Like I've seen some people that I've been like, I literally said the words about a girl that I went to high school with. I feel bad for her because she's just unhelpably ugly. <laughs> and now I still have her on like uh, in social media and stuff. And she looks really good because she started caring and taking care of herself. Like her face didn't change. She didn't go get plastic surgery. She just started doing things differently. I mean, there is. The, I think there probably are some people who are, as you put it, unhelpably ugly. 
maybe. That said, I, I think most people, they, they could, they're either not putting any work into their appearance or they're not doing it in the right way, right? They're, they're not accurately, they're not taking the time to evaluate their features and saying, okay, these are strong features. I should highlight these. No amount of wealth will give you a younger body, and plastic surgery can well, that's only a do. Lie. I mean, <laughs> let's just be honest. That that is a lie. If you first of all, if yeah, you don't Botox. have a lot of money, you're going to stress out a lot, and stress hmm. is going to give you wrinkles. It's going to ruin your skin. It's going to make your hair gray. It's going to make you unattractive. That's hmm. just the obvious things. However, yes, Botox, plastic surgery, all of these things exist. Facelifts, all of it exists, and it can all be paid for with money. There's a reason that um. Sandra Bullock is like a grandmother, and dude, I would date her. Yeah, she she's, looks like she's thirty. Yeah, she's like twice my age. I would date this lady, and, and that's like true a, of a lot Salma of the, Hayek. Dude, I can't even think of her as being sixty years right? old. Exactly. So I mean, yeah, the, and it's it's not because you know they're eating salads or whatever that they look like that. It's because they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on on cosmetic surgery. I was just thinking about or the show, um, I forget what it was called, but it was Extreme Makeover or something where they would take, like their friends would nominate them and they would take this person who was just like ungroomed and just what didn't know wear? what to do. What uh No, because I think, well, maybe it was What Not to Wear. Yeah, mm-hmm. because then they would do the makeover after. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was What Not to Wear. But and they would just like show them like, these are clothes that are flattering for your body type. This would make, you know, this would make you look more attractive, whatever. And they'd help them stop being attached to stupid things that they liked. Like if there was somebody who's like, it's just my thing. I just wear tutus every day. <laughs> like there was all kinds of people like that. That's why they got yeah. nominated for the show. And they would be like, listen, this is this is what it's making you look like. Just here's a dose of reality. And it was awesome. Nice. I like that. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Like one of the reasons I wear skirts is because I have no lower body features to speak of whatsoever. So skirts being more comfortable, that makes the most sense for me to wear. But like, if you have a really great lower figure, throw on a pair of tight jeans or whatever. Do what works for you. Good advice. But you know, it, it isn't going to work for everyone. And this isn't a way of you know being attractive or unattractive. That said, I don't think I've ever seen an ugly millionaire. I, I have. You have. I can't think of an example, but I know I definitely have. Um, what's, what's his name's wife? Elon Musk. He's oh, yeah. Elon Musk and Grimes attractive. are ugly. Okay, that's true. He, Aria doesn't she, think that Grimes is ugly. <laughs> Grimes is ugly th- in some pictures. I'll give you that. <laughs> but on the whole, I think she has pleasant... Like, that. the great example of exactly what we're talking about. Some of yeah. these pictures of her are just not flattering. She's got her makeup wrong. She's got her hair wrong. Everything about her is wrong, and she's not attractive. I think she's just naturally very ugly, and then she's done lots of things to assist to where she's had like a slight glow and looks okay in some pictures with crap tons of makeup on and things like that. So what's their next piece of advice? Well, he, we didn't get into how to take care of your appearance. Okay. It says there are free or low-cost ways to dramatically slow down aging or look younger. Here are some suggestions for both women and men. Stop smoking. Oh, that's a good one. I didn't think about that. And it's not on here. Stop doing drugs. I don't even know if that's true, right? Because I I smoked through most of my entire life and people think in general that I'm younger than I am. Well, it affects everyone differently, right? So I know some people have been smoking for 50 years. It didn't really affect their appearance that you can see. And they don't have cancer or anything, but... You know, I know some people who are smoking for 10 years and maybe doing drugs, too. And it's like, whoa, you've aged a lot. So you mm-hmm. have like Ozzy Osbourne, who's like 150 <laughs> years old now, and they look like they're still 60. This one is one that I uh, can't say I agree with in my own life. And I was thinking about skipping it. It says, raise a big family. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we talked about this one in the last break. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know what the hell they're going to... And it sounds like a conservatarian piece, it right? Does. Like, it does. It does. Ha- have a bunch of nice little white Christian kids running around. It's That'll like, make you feel like a million bucks. People on Twitter and stuff keep saying, like, women aren't fulfilled until they have kids. Why do I ha- know so many women that have kids? One, two, three, four, five. It doesn't matter how many. And they're just completely miserable and complain about it all the time. Like, if... Be- if it just makes women fulfilled, it's the only thing women are born for. Well, and that's the thing. It has nothing to do with the kids, right? It's like fulfillment and happiness. It can't be outsourced. So, yeah. and, and for some people, maybe they, you know, they love their children and they love having a big family and that works for them. And that's cool. But I know a, a lot of people, probably the majority of people who at least right now in their lives, they want zero kids and they are perfectly happy and content with their lives. And I'm sure if they had a kid or 10, 
they would be miserable because of it. And maybe they're just happier without kids. So I, I think the, it, it both, both are weird, right? It's like, Oh, the shaming of not having children is weird. And the shaming, it's just let people do I whatever they want. It's, I, it's, I think it's just such a personal thing that you can't really say like, this is going to make everybody happy. Exactly. That's that's how I feel, too. It's not like I think that no one is happy with a lot of kids. Like I was saying during the break that my parents have eight kids and they are the type of people that really wanted kids and made them really happy. But it's just not everyone. I think that people having kids because they're unfulfilled or because they're bored or whatever, that's terrible advice. Like if the reason you're having kids is because you don't feel whole as a human being. Red flag. Yeah. Get a dog first. Right. That's a good point. I mean, you don't want to have a child just because you feel like you haven't accomplished anything with your life or you have no legacy or whatever. Well, and I know a lot of, and I don't want to say a lot, but I know some women who it seemed like they either had a child with somebody to kind of try to tr- like keep them in that relationship, oh, that's worse which too. is yeah. terrible, or because they were like, they needed to fill that void and surprise, you have a kid, the void's still there. It's not going to fix the mental issues you have. What else do they have to offer, Bonnie? Number six, work at having a successful marriage. I mean, okay, I mean if that's you want to get married, married, I guess. Yeah. I think that people too often think, there's never going to be someone who's perfect for me. And I used to think that. I used to think like, oh, this person's like a complete idiot, but I like them in other ways, so it's fine. And I'll just live with having a complete idiot for a husband and it'll be fine because I love them. And just all kinds of different things that I was like compromising on. And I just didn't know that there was someone like Ian out there for me who there is just absolutely nothing wrong with. And I like everything about him. You should marry him. What's number seven? <laughs> complain less. Uh, you know, that one's adding me. I yeah, like we, should, we should just skip over that one. <laughs> it says wealthy people are happier while the poor are much more likely to be depressed. Part of the reason is that the rich can throw money at problems. I'm glad he was honest this time. So, hold on. His solution to feel like a millionaire is to not think about the ways in which your life sucks? <laughs> I guess so. I mean, and That's... I'm thinking of a lot of, like, wealthier people that I know, and they totally complain all the time. Well, I do know a lot of people who aren't uh, wealthy at all, but are just really happy because they're content with everything. Like, yeah, they just don't, you know, don't complain. I guess you can realize what you want and what you're lacking and what you want to work for without complaining about it. Certainly. I could probably work on that one. Me too. Me too. Yeah. So number eight? I think we're on number eight. Yep. uh, Learn to enjoy great art. That's like kind of random. I don't know. That's just so random. I don't know. Define art, right? Because I I enjoy a good music concert. Yeah, that's art. I would call that art and I enjoy it and I've learned to take the time off to do that and i enjoy taking time off every once in a while to watch a good movie or a, a bad movie as it as it happens so I, I don't i don't know what they mean and i don't know do they mean that i should learn to appreciate a campbell soup can hanging up in my living room boy gosh darn that's some fine art over there it's saying that the quality of the art so i just kind of scanned through it it's saying um sorry um it's saying he, he's heard some people say that Movies are boring to them because uh, there's not enough action and high time preference is the problem here. You are addicted to crave a rush of sugar and food, the cheap dopamine, dopamine thrill of pornography and the freight train of explosions in the latest Michael Bay Transformers movie at Ian. I, OK, that that's fair enough. Right. I mean, people should have balance in their lives where, you know, they don't need constant action scenes, but even your, even your Michael Bay movies that are just action, action, blow up. They're not just action, blow up, you know, monster stuff. The U S military has developed a massive, what they haven't even developed. I'm so used to the military developing these things that that just naturally rolls off the tongue, but no, the U S military has purchased a mass monitoring tool that includes internet browsing and email data. It's the Augury platform, and it includes highly sensitive network data that Team Kinru, a private company, is selling to the military. It's How can any company have access to all these things? I don't know, and I thought HTTPS was supposed to have solved all of these things. That's where it's sort of like... 
the, your web browser, it encrypts the data that you're sending from the end server to your computer and back so that if anyone intercepts it, it's just garbage. I wonder if this is some sort of like fear mongering thing. I don't know. It's coming from Vice.com, and they they tend to know, and it was just released today. So I I don't know. Let's get into the article to find out the meat of it, though. Multiple branches of the U.S. military have purchased access to a powerful Internet monitoring tool that claims to cover over 90% of the world's Internet traffic, and which in some cases provides access to people's email data, browsing history, and other sensitive information, such as Internet cookies, according to contracting data and other documents reviewed by Motherboard. Motherboard is a, is a company owned by Vice, I think. Additionally, Senator Ron Wyden says that a whistleblower has contacted his office concerning the alleged warrantless use and purchase of this data by NCIS, which is a civilian law enforcement agency that's part of the Navy, apparently. What? This This all sounds shady as hell, so... I've heard of NCIS before. I think they made a television show about it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I thought it was just a cop division in one police department. Yeah. Evidently, they are a law enforcement agency, but they're part of the U.S. Navy for some reason. That's not alarming at all that the U.S. Navy has its own law enforcement agency. But Well, they have like MPs, right? Like military police on bases and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but this is a civilian law enforcement Hmm. agency. So they're enforcing civilian law. The senator learned of this after filing a complaint through the official reporting process. Oh, good for him. With the Department of Defense. The material reveals the sale and use of a previously little-known monitoring capability that is powered by data purchases from the private sector. This network data includes stuff from over 550 collection points worldwide. It includes collection points, and I don't know, it doesn't look like it's going to tell us what it means by collection points, but I assume it's going to be companies like Amazon, Facebook, Google. These are collection points. It's updated with at least 100 billion new records every single day, says a description of the Augury platform. It adds that Augury provides access to petabytes of current and historical data, and I think a petabyte or petabyte is 1,024 terabytes. Is that with a T or a D? A P. No, P-E-T or P-E-D? Oh, P-E-T, petabytes. Hmm. Motherboard has found that the U.S. Navy, Army, Cyber Command, and the Defense Counterintelligence and Security Agency have collectively paid at least $3.5 million to access Augury. This allows the military to track Internet usage using an incredible amount of sensitive information. Motherboard has extensively covered how U.S. agencies gain access to data. I wonder if this means they've actually supported the pardons of Julian Assange or the release of Julian Assange. If they're you know out there do, doing <laughs> right? all this stuff, and that's Edward a great Snowden. question. I tend to think that Motherboard probably has not supported the release of um, mm, probably not. I feel like that'd Julian be Assange. big news. You'd- You'd hear about it more. Motherboard has extensively covered how U.S. agencies gain access to data that in some cases would require a warrant or other legal mechanism by simply purchasing data that is available commercially from private companies, which makes sense. That, that's where they're getting to. Face, the government can either give Facebook a warrant for your data or some other company can say, hey, Facebook, I want to buy this, this person's user data. And Facebook says, okay, well, you paid us some money so you can have it. The only check and balance here is that now the government has to pay money for it. But when the government limitlessly prints the amount of the money that it uses to pay for stuff, that's not a check and balance at all. So Team Kim Roo says on its website that its solution provides access to a supermajority of all activity on the Internet. Augury is the visibility into 93% of Internet traffic. That's, that's a strong boast. So with this one tool, the U.S. military... And all of these law enforcement agencies could, in theory, have access to 93% of all Internet traffic. I wanted to talk about CPS or in New Hampshire, DCYF is the organization. So C- um, CPS is Child Protective Services. What is DCYF? Oh, I'd have to look it up. It's okay. like it's the like the de- of Children, Youth, and Families. Or something yeah, like I think that. that's what it is. Okay. But it's the um, same sort of thing. Yeah, it's basically the same organization. It's just it's by state. So not in, uh, until not too long ago, I was a foster parent. 
Um, and a little background, I had a professional history of working with DCYF in New Hampshire, and I worked as an advocate in what they call a Child Advocacy, advocacy Center, and otherwise known as a CAC. So the purpose of a CAC is to streamline a victim's process. So when a child is abused, they usually have to tell their story, uh, which of course can be extremely difficult, especially depending on the age and, and the degree of the abuse, sure. uh, to, to some adult, and that adult uh, reports it. And then the child has to tell it again to like the cops. And then they have to tell it again to social workers. And then they have to tell it again to CPS, DCYF. Yeah, all of that so sounds like a terrible idea. Yeah, basically yeah. the child has to relive the trauma over and over again. And the point of the um, Child Advocacy Center, the CAC, is so that the child only has to say it once. Exactly. Yeah, okay. it's a controlled environment. Um, and, you know, the interview is recorded on video. And, and everybody, all of the interested parties, the cops and CPS and everybody else, are in this, like, control room, like an operation center. Hmm. And they're, like, they're not in the room with the child. So the, the interview is recorded and... The interviewer is trained in what they call forensic interviewing techniques, and that basically means they don't ask leading questions so that that interview could potentially be court admissible. Okay. Um, anyway, getting back to my personal experience as a po uh, foster parent, um, I was accused by my last foster teen for doing something wrong. Um, mind you, although this allegation is, of course, completely false, that doesn't even really matter. Um, there were no criminal charges or any evidence whatsoever, uh, but DCYF still has to do this investigation. And I, mean, I guess course, I guess that's good, and that you know it, it means they're not leaving anything uninvestigated because there are we hear countless stories of you know foster kids or whatever being placed into homes where they're abused and then ultimately one of them ends up dead or whatever. So, I mean, it's not like that's yeah. a good solution, but it's also not the worst solution. It's just interesting to me because I know so many kids that were in foster care and they were trying, like, calling out for help, like, help, my foster parents are abusing me. And those kids were unfortunately stuck in that situation for a very long time. They went away when I refused to answer their questions, but now they're coming back to me saying, um, well, now we want to interview your daughter. And it's just Ooh. messed up because of the informal way that they're doing this. Um, it's like your rights are being removed with no due process at all. Like, yeah. I don't know. They get yeah. to just investigate things just based on a claim, which they couldn't do outside of the family court system. I also think it's inappropriate to pull aside a small young child and try to interrogate her, basically. I think that's very inappropriate. And that's essentially what they want to do with your daughter, right? Is they want to interrogate her? Yeah, one-on-one, -on -one, uh, you know, and I, it, it's nerve-wracking, to say the least. Um, but I guess, like, the point of my whole call is just, like, if anybody, if any of your callers are thinking about fostering kids, don't. <laughs> you just have to be really, really careful. And but that, I mean, that, it's, it's sad. so sad. Yeah, it's sad that you have to get that out as good advice because the system is so broken that it, it seems to look for a way to target foster parents when and there are so many kids is, who need them. Absolutely. And that's why I went into it. Like, I went into it with completely good intentions. I'm like, I, I'm not... I am not one of these people who is like trying to adopt a baby or anything, which is a whole other thing. Don't even get me started on that. But I was like, mm -hmm. okay, if I can just provide a safe space for a child in need for a short time while their family gets whatever they need to do together to meet the state requirements, then I, you know, I can be a safe space for a little while. No problem. But that just has not been my experience. I think it's in. You, you can keep going. It's just, in my opinion, the f whole foster system is thinly veiled child trafficking. Yeah, that's what I've always heard about it. And, you know, I hate to hear this ha happening to you as a liberty activist here in New Hampshire. So uh, other than not, uh, not fostering, is there any advice you can give people to avoid these sorts of situations? I mean, you're not being charged criminally, and, and I'm curious about that. What sort of investigation they're even doing here if it's not criminal? 
as far as I understand the, the um, you know, DCYF system is not under the same laws. Nurses can now be sued for listening to doctors, which I, again, I'm not a medical expert, but it seems to me just based on how I, you know, I've gone to doctors and dealt with nurses and stuff in the past, a, a nurse kind of is supposed to listen to the doctor, so, as I understood So it. basically what, essentially what nurses are doing, especially LPNs or RNs, so not like a nurse practitioner kind of has a little bit more autonomy in their practice. They, in some states, they can practice without a doctor, without working under a doctor's license. And that's a nurse practitioner? Because yeah. I know there's several, as you point out, there's several different types of nurses. Yes, and, and a nurse practitioner... A nurse practitioner is essentially a higher level of nurse. So they have a master's degree or, or a doctorate. And, um, you know, they just had more education. Whereas RNs or LPNs have anywhere from one year to four years of training. So essentially, if you're, or you're a nurse working in a doctor's office, a hospital, a clinic, wherever, really what you're doing is carrying out doctor's orders. So when you administer medications or do any sorts of procedures or assessment, that you can't do anything without first getting an order from a doctor. So nurses aren't, you know, they, they have to use their better judgment and they have to conduct their own assessments, but they can't really do anything without the initial doctor's order. Okay. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. So ultimately, the doctor is the one who makes the call about yes. what is and isn't done for a patient. Yes, exactly. Okay. So, but that, and that's going to create problems for nurses going forward if this article the, or if this law that we're talking about comes to pass. So so essentially what's going on here is this is a North Carolina and I think it was already um, it, I think it's already gone through. But nur- nurses in North Carolina can now be sued for following doctor's orders when they cause harm to the patient. On Friday, August 19th. So even if the doctors, if they, I want to be sure I understand this. So if the doctor says, hey, do X, and the nurse does X, and the patient does harm, the nurse can now be sued and not the doctor? I'm assuming both of them would be sued, hopefully, because it was the doctor's order. Uh, As a nurse, if I was getting an order from a doctor to administer a medication or do a procedure that I didn't feel comfortable with, if I felt that it was going to cause harm to a patient, I would call the doctor up and say, I'm not doing this. So how how is all of this changing in North Carolina? Because it it sounds like that's not a good system. I would rather doctors spend more time with their patients directly. And that's that's what yeah. I get with the doctor that I visit here in, you know, New Hampshire, here in Keene. But that's not the medical industry model. Well, and it's different with like your primary care. So if you're going into a doctor's office, you're going to probably spend more time with the doctor than the nurse because the nurse is kind of just either maybe administering an injection or um, doing vital signs in an initial assessment. But the doctors that you're seeing at your doctor's office or your primary care, they're going to spend a little bit more time with individuals. Which is sad because it's still not a whole lot of time. I've no, been it's to like a 15 of, minutes. Yeah, at the most. After you, you spend an hour and a half waiting in the lobby, then they take you to a different room for you to wait mm-hmm. for another half hour to an hour. Yeah. And then finally you see the doctor and they're with you for 10, 15 minutes. Exactly. If you're lucky. And in a hospital setting, um, there's just so many more patients at once that, and I, I don't know what the laws are, like how many patients a doctor can legally oversee at once. I don't know if there is a limit, but it, it would. It seems like there would be. If there's a limit yeah. to the number of cases that attorneys can have, it seems like it would. There would be a limit to the number of cases a doctor can have. I'm sure there is. I'm just not, right. you know, familiar with a specific number or law, but. Um, it was standard reason. It, it was standard reason that there is such a limit. So, so tell us about this North Carolina law. Sure. So this passed uh, August nineteenth of two thousand and twenty. A narrowly split North Carolina Supreme Court struck down a ninety-year-old president that protected nurses from liability. The opinion of the three justices in favor of overturning the ruling stated that because nursing had evolved, the decision was necessary. So the two dissenting justices 
countered that holding nurses accountable for physicians' decisions would create liability without causation. Um, how the latest ruling would affect future cases is unclear. Our attorney general, um, we're actually going to have a, a human trafficking convention here in New Mexico. What, is this like a pimp convention, a pimp con? I have a feeling that's just not what it's actually called, and Sarah's just calling it that. Well, what is that thing uh, called in South Park? Because South Park did this, right? When when Butters became a pimp, they, there was <laughs> there was a pimp convention. What what was that called? I don't remember. I will research this for you. <laughs> One moment. Is that what you mean, Sarah? You're going to get like a bunch of pimps, and you know what 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 is it? What what is a human trafficking convention? Well, this is the first time I heard about them doing this. It's put on by our Attorney General, Hector ba- Hector Valderas. So he's part, I, he's a, is that what the Attorney Generals do? Is to. No, they arrest go people. After scams. I guess pimps are kind of like a scam. Why? There's but nothing, the there's nothing time. scammy about being a, a pimp in and of itself. Well, I, and I guess it depends. Like, it could be scammy if they're just taking all of the girls' money. But if they are providing the legitimate service of protection, which is kind of the point of a pimp, right? Then I guess it could be worth it. Well, it says here, A.G. Balderas kicks off 6th Annual Human Trafficking Conference. So this isn't the first one at all. And it's not a convention, it's a conference. Yeah, that's, I knew there was What's another that? word she was... Oh, this, this is the number six. Um, this is the uh, sixth one. I'm, I'm really amazed. This is the only time that I really paid attention. Hmm. Because, uh, you know, I'm... Shocking. I'm bringing this up because uh, New Mexico is a shock because New Mexico is like practically the human trafficking state. Like those, uh, they're, it's you definitely know, the, the idiot state. Keep going, sir. Well, I mean, but it's uh, abusing women here, uh, mistreatment of women. Um, the laws don't, do not protect women, and the you know a lot of these victims got murdered and dug up. And like I was saying, they wanted to build a park and put a memorial with a rock with their names on it, but they're really not. They're really not really solving this problem like what they're doing now. What do you they're think really the problem is, What Sarah? they're doing now is just creating a task force, and I doubt that it's going to do anything good for anyone. This is just a group of law enforcement and uh, just bureaucrats from New Mexico and Mexico, actually, it says, who are going to get together and talk, and I just have a feeling that they're not going to accomplish anything and waste a lot of the taxpayers' money. Before people lost all of their money in Bitcoin by making silly decisions. See, the first guy I felt bad about. <laughs> yeah, right. Me too. I was like, man, you know, yeah. that sucks. This is not the first time I've heard this story, right? Of someone making a poor decision, investing all of their money into something, which, first of all, you shouldn't view cryptocurrency, especially Bitcoin, as an investment. Well, but- and also, it's typically a bad idea. Again, not financial advice, but it's typically a bad idea to sell something for less than you bought it for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, rule of thumb, like, just don't do that. But, you know, there is something to be said for cutting their losses. And I, I had to do that with Bitcoin it's Gold. Panic. It's back panic in, selling. Well, it's not necessarily panic selling. It can be. But, like, with Bitcoin Gold, we watched it plummet from, like, $200 per down to, like, $100 per and then down to $30 per. And I don't yeah. even know what it's at per now. It's probably in the single dollar range. And, you know, I'm glad I sold it when I did because yeah. it, I knew well, I didn't know. But I had no reason to believe that it was going to ever recover. It had nothing to offer beyond yeah. being ASIC resistant. And that just wasn't good enough in the current market. Why is ASIC resistant good? Isn't that something that makes mining better? ASIC resistant means that anyone can mine it in theory using a GPU, a graphics card, instead of having to buy a specialized piece of hardware that's an ASIC. And I don't remember exactly what ASIC stands for, but it's a specialized device that only mines a cryptocurrency. And is it like expensive? I I think they're expensive. They're very energy intensive and they're very expensive to run versus, you know, most gaming enthusiasts and most computer enthusiasts they have a computer with a graphics card in it and they can't just you know mine monero or ravencoin or whatever ravencoin was the one that i preferred to mine back in the day because it was easy it was an x16r token which means 
They're supposed to be CPU mineable. They're ASIC resistant as well. And this all gets into some complicated terms. They don't really have any place on the radio. But yeah, sorry, I was just interested in that. No, no, yes, all good. No, I was the one who went on for too long. But Bruce Fenton, who was running for Senate here in New Hampshire, is actually the founder of Ravencoin, and I didn't know that when I, I didn't was, know that. Yeah, I didn't either. Good for you, when Bruce. I was, you know, mining Ravencoin and all of that, I happened here in New Hampshire. I happened to be, you know inadvertently supporting a libertarian here in New Hampshire. Sweet. I can't really pretend to be surprised by that in hindsight, but there there are ways of mining cryptocurrency that don't require ASICs in the first place. And that was Bitcoin Gold's one big thing that made it different. It was Bitcoin, but it was supposed to be ASIC resistant. And as it turns out, it was just garbage. All right. Sarah called in and she was having, you, you guys have too much fun with her. <laughs> She's just so damn stupid. <laughs> She is stupid, man. I mean, she's not unintelligent, to be fair. She's she's smart, but she's also no, stupid. She's I say this ignorant. Every, no, she thinks, but she doesn't realize. She just never yeah, That's a good way to put it. <laughs> that is a good way to put it. She reminds me so much of my dog, my golden retriever, man. She, <laughs> she's so smart, right, in so many ways, but she's also so stupid. <laughs> yeah, when only one ear goes up, it just ain't right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so what else was on your mind tonight? Well, she was talking about all the prostitution and whatnot, and you guys were talking about Clark County right outside of, of Vegas there. And I believe that is the birthplace of the Mustang Ranch. And if I recollect correctly, they have been fighting for the right to sell their um, wares since somewhere in the mid-'70s. Mustang Ranch is damn famous. Okay. Yeah, Arya said that it's King County. I, I don't know why I know I, that Clark think, County is Las Vegas. I think King County is the last county in um, New Mexico before you get, or Arizona. I think it's Arizona. My geography is kind of screwed up in my head now, but I think King County is the county that you leave to get into Nevada. I think it's in Arizona. Well, yeah, I think that's right. I don't think that it's Clark County no, because Clark County is Las Google Vegas. Maps. I don't have Google Maps, so I cannot confirm, deny, or dismay. Yeah, it's not super but, important uh, anyway. Or maybe the town has the King in it or something. I don't remember now. I just remember King and Las Vegas. I only lived there briefly, and you know, I didn't get out a whole lot beyond trying to find a job and things like that. So I wasn't worried about what the next county over is and. I've lived in New Hampshire here for like four years, and you want to ask me what the next county over is? I'm really not sure, dude. I I, I know that I, I got an interesting tidbit. The county I was born in here in Michigan legalized prostitution just here a couple three years ago. Oh, cool! I moved away from there like thirty years ago. It's your buddy of mine that I called just informed me of that. Hey, I heard if you play rock and roll music backwards, you get satanic messages. I have heard of that, yes. It's not just rock and roll. Like, there's other genres, too. Me and my sister uh, found out about this in, like, eighth grade, and that's how I found TheVigilantCitizen.com, because we found out that there's... Uh, we were searching it for songs that we like, like Lady Gaga, and that's how we found all of his articles about occult symbolism in Lady Gaga's music videos. The one that oh, I wow. knew that this uh, rumor originated with was uh, Led Zeppelin's yep. Stairway to Heaven, mm -hmm. yep. which if you play backwards, it's supposed to have a satanic message. So I've, I've done this. I, I have to. I don't hear it. But <laughs> I don't hear it either. I've only watched the YouTube videos. But, you know, I like what Bill Hicks had to say about this. If you sit around listening to music backwards in order to find the devil, dude, you already found him. You are the devil. Oh. <laughs> really? Yeah, well, yeah, because that's not a thing in normal. Who sits there going, man, this is a great song. I bet it's evil if I play it backwards. Well, of course it is. You're not supposed to play it backwards. I, yeah. I like the way that the Beatles have some backwards sounding music in their songs and also Missy Elliott. Mm -hmm. I like the way it sounds. It's really cool. There are yeah. bands who do this on purpose. Uh, Stevie, Stevie Wonder did it in one of his songs where if you play it backwards, he's, he's telling someone to go F themselves. But it, it's oh, very wow. clever, and if you play it forwards, you you don't hear it, right? Eminem does that too, and I don't remember what song or what it was. But there's something where if you play it one way, it says a thing. If you play it backwards, it says another thing. I don't remember what it was now. 
It takes a lot of creativity and a lot yeah. of genius to do something like that on purpose. And the, the example that I always heard when I was looking into this and researching was like New Moon. If you play that backwards, it basically sounds like New Moon. So in, in oh, a, if wow. you slant it a certain way, you can still say New Moon backwards and forwards and have it sound exactly the same. Or race car. Well, I think that's just was, spelling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that, <laughs> that was a spelling. I also found out that if you play kids' songs from TV, old TV shows like Doria and all that, you hear satanic stuff backwards. We were just talking with Jamie from Alabama who reminded me about the existence of this guy. I did find him. He's named Phil Phillips. Hmm. Which, I mean, if you name your kids Phil Phillips... What do you expect? Yeah, this, you're destining them to end up writing books with titles like Turmoil in the Toy Box, hmm. which he wrote several books on this subject. He wrote nine different books. At the time of the article that I'm looking at, he wrote nine different books about how He-Man and Power Rangers were corrupting people, making them satanic, and turning them gay. How is he? And I mean, he never preside, provided a single example of any of this happening, right? Because, of course, he, he's just one of these ultra-Christians, right? On In one example, he used the example of the Power Rangers as if if they worked together to achieve a goal, then that, that taught children that they didn't have to rely on God, and therefore it was satanic. That That was the sort of... Teamwork. There's like congregations and stuff. That, in fact, like in um in Acts and the the ones after that, uh, what's his name, Paul. He tells the churches how to better work together and to you know do their church things together as a congregation and stuff like that. So here's a quote uh, from the book: Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and VR Troopers are characters that exhibit lust for power. <laughs> When they are strong, their enemies become stronger, requiring that they become even stronger. What signals does this type of program send to a child? It sends the signal to a child that his power will increase as the result of what he does. Uh, yeah. Um, what? <laughs> Durr. And that's a bad thing, right? That's just one, like teaching kids the... like. The I, look, I'm not the crazy effects. lunatic who wrote nine books about this. You can't try <laughs> to rationalize this. He also... Here's a quote about Power Lords, which is something I've never heard of. The name mm. of this toy line causes concern. The name implies that these figures are equal in power to God. (laughs) Does it? In the word, God tells us that he is the only Lord. On the other hand, these characters are called power lords, making them equal to God. This is blasphemous. (laughs) And the monarchy also calls people lords. This dude wrote nine books about this nonsense. Wow. You just listened to the new extended Free Talk Live Daily Digest. We felt this format was more appropriate for our podcast audience and decided to make it our official podcast. If you subscribe to the Daily Digest or full episode RSS feeds, please resubscribe to the main FTL podcast feed, which you can find at feeds.freetalklive.com. The other feeds rely on a third-party service, and though they'll have the same content, we can't be sure how long they'll stay online. If you still want the entire radio show, you can listen live every night from 7 to 10 Eastern at freetalklive.com. Full video archives are at video.freetalklive.com or tune into our 24-7 stream for the latest show at listen.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live's amps will continue to receive the full two-hour radio show with no recorded commercials via podcast through Patreon. So please join amps.freetalklive.com for just $5 a month. Thank you for listening to and sharing Free Talk Live.